Hi, I'm George. I'm Dan. I'm Rick. And, and we, we are Queer Magnolias, the podcast. Each episode, we're going to talk about what it was like growing up gay in the South. The trials and the tribulations. The joy and the struggle. And more importantly, how we became who we are today. So join us for an all-you-can-eat buffet of cutting up. Foolishness and carrying on. Always served with a heaping helping of sass. And, and that's, that's a, a Queer Magnolias guarantee. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Magnolias. Hi, hey, Jake. Jake. God, we've missed you. I have been here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Jake, who's but... been traveling the world, honey, he's been on vacation for the past, what, two or three episodes? An three around years. the way girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's very good to have you back. It's good to be back. Always. So what are we talking about this week? We We like to talk about serious things as much as we like to be lighthearted and i think today we there's something that touches us in our community and as i mean a human race uh, a subject that we definitely want to go over and and that's hiv and aids oh yes that's an important one i mean it is part of our history and you know anyone uh that is of a certain age like y'all uh, <laughs> right watch your mouth now watch your mouth, watch like, your mouth. like she ain't <laughs> so you know in about 1981 or so came out this article about these men in new york who were catching this wild disease and you know it it had a bunch of different names along the way and then there was some in la and then there were some in san francisco uh-huh. and here i am in eastern north carolina and I haven't seen that stuff. It didn't affect me. Sure. And I think that's exactly what happened to a lot of gay people. It didn't affect me. So along comes something, and it swept through our community like wildfire. And it affected a lot of people. And then what do you do? It's not so different from COVID, you know. COVID came along, and it smacked a bunch of us. And all of a sudden, it's something different. And that's exactly what happened with HIV and AIDS. It was something that wasn't there before and all of a sudden was. So I do think like that's very important to say where you're like, it didn't affect me until it did. Right. But because I think that's what happened to all of us until it did. And I don't think um, I'm trying to remember. It wasn't until the 90s, actually, when it started to affect me and by that i mean uh it started to become known in my, in my circles and the people that uh you know i knew i began to know people that had aids or hiv uh and i didn't i wasn't necessarily out and going out to bars in the 80s well maybe the late 80s but still anyway uh you know so i didn't really get exposed to it in that sense until in the 90s and i think it was more prevalent in my life in the 90s um but it's interesting that you make the comparison to COVID, Danny, because it's interesting that when COVID came along and everyone started freaking out, it was like, oh my God, there's this strange new disease and we don't know what to do. And everyone's scared to death. And every gay man that I knew that was of a certain age were like, oh girl, we, we went through, <laughs> we've been through this. We got this. We'll know, we, we'll handle it. And it, it was just interesting because, you know, it did sort of prepare us in a sense for pandemics, global pandemics and things that uh, that come along in that sense. But I think what's really startlingly sad about that statement is men of a certain age, 
because there are men of a certain age, thousands and thousands and thousands of men of a certain age that aren't here. There's an entire lost generation of gay men that we will never know. We won't know their stories. We won't know their talent. We won't know their struggle or their happiness or their joy. They're gone. They've just been, they're just erased in their prime. And that yes. breaks my heart. You're right. We won't know where they would have progressed to. What we do know is we have a lot of people who made it to a certain age. Maybe it was 25. Maybe it was 35. Maybe it was 80. Because AIDS doesn't say, oh my gosh, this person's 25. We'll take all the 25-year-olds. AIDS says, we'll take this one and this one and this one and a whole bunch of those over there. And that's exactly what happened. What we did see was we saw something that was a little different in the fact that in the late 60s with Stonewall and the 70s and, you know, gay pride and all of these things. Yeah. AIDS came along and then we found militancy, which we had to have mm -hmm. to survive. I mean, ACT UP is an organization that if... If you don't know what ACT UP is, honestly, please read about it because that's some kick-ass shit right there. Like 100%. And, and I fear for us of like where we are today, I don't know if we're still that militant, if we're still that aware, if we're still that tuned in to like what we need to be politically. I don't know. Like I, I, I fear for that. Like, I look back to the past and I think, and that's why I feel like looking at the past and remembering where we've been is so important. So we can chart the path of where we're going to go. If you don't know what your past is, you're doomed to repeat it. I feel like there's such complacency these days and that frightens me. Worries and me. I, uh, I, and I, go ahead, Jake. I, I mean, I understand what you mean where there is a little bit of a, a change in the, what we used to think of as in, in the queer community as standing up for yourself and making sure that <clears throat> that we're heard, right? Because that's important that we're heard because when we're not heard, then that's when we're oppressed. But I feel like also the idea and the politics are changing as well. People are thinking differently. Social media is changing the way human beings think, like being popular, being important. I also feel like being queer is is normalized to a point now where I don't know if I think the reason why it, there's a distance is because I don't know if it's necessarily as as a harsh reality as it used to be. You know, it used to be like, oh my god, you're queer, you labeled this, and now it's like the label is not it's not even it's not as obvious it's not as bright it's not like oh my god this person's so queer so, well whatever it's just, i think jake is 1000 percent right i think that in back in the 80s when you were in the 90s when you were diagnosed with aids or hiv it was considered a death sentence and it was also considered a label because it was mostly a queer disease yeah. uh, and i think that our community has gotten to the point especially to jake's point about you know with our uh, with social media and access to information and access to, you know, uh, uh, the different types of culture and the different types of people across the globe. I, I think that the community has changed somewhat and that we uh, we don't subscribe to labels anymore. And so I think that they the, that our community is more focused on uh, I want to move forward. I don't want to look back. And I don't know that that's a good thing. 
but I also don't know that it's a bad thing. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Right. right. Okay. Fair enough. I feel like that's great. That's a great statement to make. I feel like our community can say, can sit and they can bask in their laurels, but the rest of the world is not that community. We are a place right now where like a don't say gay bill is trying to be passed through government and not just for Florida, but for the entire country. We're at a place right now where people who are homosexual are like literally being hung in other countries. Like we're not at a good place. Don't rest on your fucking laurels. We're not there. I didn't mean to imply that we weren't there. Of course, there are lots of issues going on in the world right now. That's uh, I, I think that's also another part of it, too, is that uh, people are so focused on what's happening right now and all the stuff that's coming at us that it's like, I don't have time to focus on what happened back here. I've got to focus on what they're coming at uh, me with right now. Well, and that's the thing about information and the way that information is traveled right now. And I'm not sure if this is where you were going, that, but social media, the Internet is just, you know, we have instant information in a place that's 10,000 miles away. How in the hell beyond having technology now will we have had that information in the past? Right. It's like information overload. Sorry, no. Danny. I know you've been no, trying to no. interject. <laughs> no. So the thing is, I agree with all of the above, but I will add that I think I know where George is going in the fact that we have a responsibility. Thank um, you to look at what's going on and we've got to say, yeah, this shit ain't working. It's not working. <clears throat> Social media is lovely. And Lord, y'all know I love me some of that. I had my past three dates were off of social media. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love all that stuff, but <clears throat> I wouldn't call grinders social media <laughs> per se. <laughs> well, it's oh, social. Yeah, I, <laughs> it is, and I get more off of Instagram than I do off of Grindr. So there you have it. Like social disease is social. <laughs> but we have to. We, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm still mm -hmm. loving Twitter. So uh -huh. we have to. We have a responsibility to to get out and vote. Which this is where we are now because voting's a week from now. So I'm going to be really right now. I'm going to be right now. If your ass ain't out there voting right fucking now, this is a problem. We uh, Roe v. Wade's been overturned. If you ain't out there voting, that's Gay marriage is next. Get out there. And, 100% and gay marriage is next. Like, of course it fucking is. Clarence Thomas fucking... Oh, that Clarence motherfucker... Uh, sorry. No, you say it. Say <laughs> that it. motherfucker ain't our friend. <laughs> but here's the thing, you know, it opens it up for a better bill to come across as well, as long as we what vocalize things, take better actions. But so I so there I disagree with you, Jake, because what what I feel is if we haven't gone out there and done the work last week, that yeah. shit ain't coming up. Yeah. Because if we're waiting around for, oh, let's decide yes or no, we've already been fucked. Because we've got to get out there because what's not happening is we're not moving the ball forward. Trans people are being killed and shunned and law after law is being brought against them just as it was with gay people 50 or 60 years ago. And, and what, to a higher degree, trans people of color. Yes, of course. Well, especially for those who are being taken out of this world. But it's it's imperative that we keep the dialogue going and we understand that this is not over. We have made so many inroads and so much progress 
with things like prep and education. And those are great things, but we ain't done. So we I think keep we all agree. All rolling. Yeah, I, I mean, think we all agree with that. But I think uh, to to bless you to um, to go back to what you were saying about we have a responsibility. We do, but we also have to think about kids coming up today that are coming out now at 15, 16, 17, 18, 20. Um, you know, we and back in the 80s and 90s, we didn't really have that luxury or that privilege. Think back though to when you were in your you were a teenager and you were 20. Uh, and I realize it might be a gin-induced haze for some of you. Uh, <laughs> but see, called 20. You out. <laughs> I, I see that. What year was 20? Let's see. That was 1983. Yes. Come on I, now. You, you were not going to be sort of lectured to and told that you need to remember things from the 50s and 60s and 70s. You just weren't going to do it because you were young and you were rebel rebellious. And I think there's a better I guess my point is, I agree with, yes, we have to remember our history, but I don't want to preach it to the young people. I want I want to find another way to reach them, if you know what I mean. Because if you try to preach it at a young person, they're not going to listen. They're going to shut down. It's just going to happen. I did it. And I'm sure that you guys did it when the adults came yelling at you like, oh, yeah, you're your parents. Like, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do, take the, do the laundry. You have to clean your room. You shut down when you get preached at. So I feel like, yeah, it's important to remember that, but we got to find another way to reach them if we if we want to keep the conversation alive. So, but I agree than, wholeheartedly. We have to keep it moving forward. So rather than say preach it, though, one of the things that's important that we do as adults is make sure that that history is there for someone to find yep. and yes. look for because yeah. an honor. Yes. The, the center, uh, we're so fortunate here in Los Angeles that the Gay and Lesbian Center has so much to offer. And there are so many of those places in this country. But it is important to remember that we have to, we have to make sure it's available for someone to research. I'm going to plug one book now for just a second. So in yeah, the late 80s or early 90s, there was an author named Paul Monette who both he and his partner became HIV positive and had AIDS. And when I tell you, there ain't so many things in the book called Borrowed Time that are pretty. It is the harshest, craziest reality of what AIDS did to some people. There were a lot of people who didn't have that experience, but I will tell you, Paul Manette brings this. He was a great author before this book uh he brings that experience around it is heartbreaking it made me cry repeatedly but it should be like on the top of the reading list for aids in real life so i just want to inject i want to say like when you said there are not some people that have that experience i think many people have that experience they just didn't write it down and we aren't reading it today I think you're right, George, many, and I apologize. Had that experience, heartbreaking, the suffering, the stigma. Stigma is a great word. Yep. All right. So I got one more story because y'all know I got story, honey. So stigma is a a big thing. So uh, in the late eighty or mid eighties, there was a drag queen in Eastern North Carolina named Jennifer Ash. Honestly. 
Besides man or woman, one of the most gorgeous people I've ever seen in my life. Love it. About five four, five five, slender, made the best, gorgeous drag queen you've ever seen. And Jennifer Ash or Franklin became HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, word spread around. As I said, most of us in Eastern North Carolina were mostly oblivious, but word spread around. And it wasn't a pretty word. It was an ugly word. And Bill Brock, the owner of the Paddock Club in Greenville, one Friday night during a big drag show, came on, took the microphone and said, I got something I need to address with y'all. This performer is one of my favorite people on earth. If I hear one word ever said about Jennifer Ash, you will be barred from this bar forever. Jennifer Ash wasn't there that night, but Bill Brock said, let me tell you what's going to go on in my club. Mm -hmm. We are not going to stigmatize anybody, whether they are HIV positive or have AIDS or not. This is a community for queers, and it will be a safe community for queers. Honestly, that has blessed Yes. That has blessed me my life because somebody stood up and said, this is the rule, bitches, because we're in this together. And it it really did inform my future. And I appreciate him for that. Did you guys uh, ever have anyone in your life who had AIDS and passed away from it? Yes. Yes. I had a few. I've had a, a handful as well. I think in a lot of ways, I've said this several times, I've known some people who've been HIV positive and have passed away, and they always seem to be at a wee bit of a distance. I've known quite a few, but it's not my place in this life. I have dear friends who've had hundreds, Mm -hmm. and I don't say that jokingly, hundreds. I have one friend that has... He had said to me at one point, I've been to more than 100 funerals of someone who died of AIDS. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine I cannot. That? I that cannot. That'd be tough. What that be does tough. to you, what that does to your psyche, and not even that, not even the guilt of like, or, or the, the sorrow of going to those funerals, but then the guilt of surviving all those yep. funerals. And in the gay community, survivorship guilt is enormous. Of course, because you, you're saying, why why me? Why did why did why, why didn't I? Yeah, why didn't I? And you know, I've known someone who's passed away from full-blown AIDS, and I watched it ravage him, and I watched his spirit just sort of erode. Uh this was one of the happiest, sort of the uh, the the most the most amazing energy you could ever expect from somebody. And I watched this disease sort of erode that and turn him into something that none of us recognized. Um, I've, I've known people who've had it and have been completely the opposite. And as far as I know, there, uh, it's been a few years since we've been in touch, but uh, they're still alive and well today and very healthy. Uh, and then I have, I know people that who got it in the early two thousands that passed away within six months of having it, you know, and wow. I think really yeah, yep. that late. Well, I think, yeah. Yeah. I think with him, he gave up yeah. the moment he got it. I think he was just done. He was like, he wasn't going to fight it. And he just, he, he, within six months was gone. Well, that's funny. You said that. Cause like, I think of like 
the last person that I knew who died from HIV, he was diagnosed in the, in the early 2000s, but God knows how long he'd actually had it. He just mm, got diagnosed. Right. But, and by the time he got diagnosed, it wasn't just HIV. It was full-blown AIDS. Full-blown AIDS, yeah. mm-hmm. And then, like, it just... Yeah, recovering from that is basically... I, I mean, within six months, he was yeah. dead. Right. Once you get the diagnosis. Yeah. Well, and I have two friends, and this is a praise report. I have two friends that I am almost positive both of them have been HIV positive since 1984. And they're, they're both still here. And they're both are doing well. And when you look at statistically, they should not be here. Yeah, um, because that means they survived a- a- AZT. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cocktails and then all mm-hmm. like so many things. Like they've survived all of those medications that like killed and, so many people. Yep. And one friend's had lymphoma twice, I believe. And if he hasn't had it twice, I'm sure he will call me and tell me it was either once or three times, but I'm pretty sure. And he, he will correct to, you. Yes. And he listens to the podcast. I, Girl, I mean, and I, God bless him. I am yeah. so fucking happy that he is here to correct you and to listen yes, to the podcast. Yes. I mean, he sent me a video today of him and his dog in Manhattan. They were having a great time. So I love that. I mean, I it's. Too. And I. You know, if we ever do this episode again, uh-huh. I will ask him to come on because he was um, the head of, oh, Lord, I think it's Men's Health Crisis Network in New York. I think that was what it was. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it, we've all seen a lot of things, and he's yes. certainly seen much more than I have. And I do say that uh, I'm very blessed that I do have long, some friends that have been HIV positive a long time, and I've also at my age, I was sort of blessed that I sidestepped a lot of things, including HIV. So um, at the, as the oldest old girl up in here, you know, I was probably a target a lot more than most people. So I'm thankful for that. You know, I think that's funny you say that about just the age that we are, because growing up and becoming like aware of sexuality and at the age that I am, I grew up, you know, in the age of like the Reagans, which of course, Ronald Reagan, not yes, addressing yeah. HIV, not yeah. addressing AIDS, like just like, it, it's it's not a thing that you need to address for common people. It's not a thing for decent people. It's not a disease of decent people. Nope. And Nancy, just say no, abstinence, whatever, exactly. Yeah, so, fuck Nancy. Just, sorry, let me say it one more time. Fuck Nancy. For the people in fuck the back. Nancy. Mm-hmm. Fuck Nancy Reagan. You know, <laughs> the blowjob no. queen, honey. Fuck her. Girl, <laughs> that's a whole other fucking episode. But yeah. I mean, she and Mr. T, I mean, I, I love her that the fact that she wanted a little color in her life. I love that. But All the damn sudden. <laughs> but so I grew up in that age where it was like sex scared me to death sex kills sex was gonna kill yeah. you that that's what i remember as well and i don't know that i've ever actually gotten past that uh, to some degree like it's a death sentence i'm definitely mindful of it still uh even though we are living in the age of prep now uh and uh you know everything uh, everything that we know about what we've learned over the years, I still think about it. I still can't get away from those early days and that conditioning. A hundred percent. So, real, One real quick story. I will never forget. I was in a meeting 
I went to this um, this meeting once. Uh, it's a leather community meeting that I went to, and I remember this older gentleman. He had to be in his sixties, and he comes in, and he's like, "I just started taking prep uh, about six months ago," and he's gonna say, "I grew up, you know, in fear of catching AIDS and catching HIV, and I uh, I uh, never allowed myself to sort of be adventurous sexually or any of these things. I never allowed myself to be with other people because I was in constant fear of I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna die." It was like prep changed my life and it's changed everything about how I live now and the freedom and the security that I have. I mean, it was really quite moving to hear him talk about how, uh, you know, how it really sort of uh, allowed him to sort of open up and become who he always truly wanted to be, but lived in fear of. I mean, with prep, you have to also talk about pep, which is Mm -hmm. post, you know, that's, that's, and it's, it's, it's treatment that you already have when you have hiv and it also it prevents it, it's the same it's the same defense from the opposite side correct right and, and and you can then be who you are as well and live your life who you are in the yep. same way and, and yeah exactly so can the oldest girl call out the youngest one? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, or at least ask a question. Oh, so, sorry, you didn't mean me. <laughs> <laughs> I meant I meant the other youngest one, darling. So, um, Jake, was HIV and AIDS something that was on your mind or the minds of your um, compadres when you were younger? I mean... Were we past that, so to speak, or was it something that came up? Well, on top of mind, was it? I guess, yeah. Okay, so I remember, I remember being taught about STDs and you know sexually tra- transmitted diseases, and by at that point, HIV didn't it didn't actually target one group of people, so it was anybody could get it. And then my first actual exposure to somebody that had HIV was my mother. And, and I'm, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure anyone that's listened to this podcast knows that I, there's definitely been times where I've talked about it. There has to have been. Um, and if not, then that's very bizarre because that's, that's always been something that I have been extremely afraid of. Um, and having sex with all, you know, different groups of people and different types of people, it's just, I've always been very, very aware of that. It's it's led me to think how I have sex because I watched somebody that was very important to me, you know, suffer from it. Not necessarily, and she had it for quite a while before she passed away. And there was a, a other multitude of things that she had that that contributed to that. Obviously, cancer was one of that one of those things as well. But I feel like it contributed. HIV contributed to that at some point. Of course, to the deterioration of her body, and that was that was my exposure to it. So, yes, in my sense, I remember once. I mean, we there was like also we would we would run you know red ribbon jogathons or whatever to raise money for you know for AIDS, and there was always like there was always programs. I don't know if that was catered to by the people that were in you know, where I grew up. That's most definitely you know what it was, but um, I, I was aware of it. It was most definitely something that I was aware of. And that I always remember being aware of. And speaking of marathons and events, I mean, the, I've done AIDS life cycle. There are huge events uh, that happen, obviously, everywhere. But oh. AIDS life cycle was uh, really um, 
a very moving experience for me. And for anyone that knows doesn't know what that is, it's a bike ride that that takes place. Uh, it's over the course of seven days every summer. Uh, and you ride your bike from San Francisco to L.A., which is not an easy feat because there are <laughs> lots of <laughs> lots. Five hundred and thirty five miles over seven days. And um, all downhill, right? <laughs> yeah, you would that's why so. they sell you <laughs> you would think so yet on the first day out in the first mile you're going uphill and i i remember thinking what the fuck did i sign up for this is supposed to be no, downhill that's how the earth works you you go down it's all yes, down it's i thought down. it was flat we go down the globe flat, god damn it i mean i've seen the globe we're, we're down <laughs> right yeah, exactly exactly uh, but, uh, but, you know, aside from the fact that I actually had to sleep in a tent for a week and we won't even get on that conversation, um, or the showers <laughs> or the well, I didn't well, mind the community showers. Uh, yeah, we don't want to talk showers. about that either. That's a different episode, dear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the community showers didn't bother me so much. I um, did. yeah. Uh, but actually the entire experience was really sort of, it was extremely moving, but the most uh, emotional part of the whole ride was when we arrived in Ventura and there's a candlelight vigil on the beach and the amount of people that come from all around, not just the people in the, in the ride, but there are people, you know, that come in from LA and come down from San Francisco, who have friends and family in the ride. And it just really is a very powerful evening. Sorry. Yeah, Ooh, of course it is. Of course it is. You're going to light a candle for people to pass. Like that's yeah. it's so amazing, and it's so beautiful, and yeah. and that's the kind of remembrance we want. You know, that's yes, what, that's what we can contribute to. But I feel very strongly. I'm not saying okay. I, feel, cast me in oh, I support your feelings, George. Go to go I ahead and say so it. I don't necessarily. Good. I know you don't agree. I just feel so strongly. That it's so important to not just remember candlelight vigils to remember the struggle, to remember like the act up, to remember that, the advocacy, to remember how we had to take it into our own hands because no one's going to do it for us. Like we're not out of the woods, people. I agree all with that all 100%. Uh, I I think where I was coming at it from, and maybe it's because we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, um, was sort of this position of we have this responsibility that we can't ignore that we have to that no matter who you are and how old you are and gay if you're gay or you're queer or whatever you have a responsibility to remember this and carry it and i don't know i don't know that i don't disagree with that but i don't know that's how we're going to get it done that i i agree with how the i disagree with how the message is being delivered i don't want to go ahead jake i mean you can have the same conversation over and over again and over time, it's just it's it becomes different. So how you how can you convey the same conversation to a new set of ears? We're not right. saying we're not saying that we shouldn't have the same convictions and that you shouldn't stand up for you shouldn't be standing up for for yourself or the community and the people that need it that need to be stood up for. But you don't always have to be yelling in the conversation. Sometimes you can change your tone. You know, maybe. Right. And if we learned anything in COVID. Uh, I'm sorry, George. <laughs> if we learned anything in COVID, we learned that if if the louder you scream at people to do something, the more they're going to fight against you. And we just have to find a different way. Now, I'm the first one to get fired up over some shit. And, and uh, you know, like, shut up, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> 
but but to Jake's point, I think we just have to find a different way to reach people. And you know, everyone's so used to everybody being on their soapboxes and. I don't, I'm going to go back to the word preaching, but that's, it's kind of that whole, I just have this image of my aunt the first time she went to New Orleans and she saw everything that was happening in the, in the quarter. And she stood up on a park bench and started preaching at all these people and how they were sinning. And I was like, I can see how crazy she looked in that moment. And I just kind of like, there's got to be a different way to reach people, I guess. Yeah. And the more you advocate something, the way ideals change, like it's in a curve, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be linear. It's not going to be always the same, right? It's going to have some kind of curve and, and then the understanding of what it is and, and how to convey that to people, to youth. When you give somebody information and you say, hey, this is how you need to live your life. Like, okay, that's great. Then that's how they're going to perceive it. It's what they're not going to, you can't tell somebody how to experience something. Okay. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I hear George, all George is channeling Dan. Come on, George. <laughs> Let us have it, baby. I just want to say to people, if we don't fucking remember, who's going to? Amen. If, oh, amen. I agree. I agree if with we never don't forget. remember what happened, what happened to us as a community that no one fucking cared about, and how we had to do it for ourselves, and how that is guaranteed to repeat in history if we don't pay attention. One thousand percent. I agree with that. Who's gonna do it for us? They're not gonna put it in history books. No, they're not going to teach it in schools. Well, no, we not have, we have to do it. Not in Florida, anyway. You can't say. <laughs> hey. Well, they aren't going to do it here either. Sadly, in California. But so no, you're I exactly do... right, George. One thousand percent right. I totally agree with that sentiment. Same. I agree as well, and I do think, um, I think that Jake is right. I don't think we and Rick as well. I don't think we can. Oh preach. Lord, child, did we get that on tape? Please tell me. No, no, honey, cut that out. <laughs> that was a mistake. I never said it. I mean, the thing is, we cannot preach. We have to share. We have to be passionate because, honestly, ain't nobody else going to stand up for us except ourselves. And so, I've got the passion in spades. Yeah, oh, yes, maybe do. Well, I think I, we well, all do. To a degree. We all do, though. I, I think, you know, that's the, the beautiful thing about who we are. We're Magnolia's podcast. That's right. We're passionate motherfuckers. There neat. we are. None of us are wrong in this conversation. No, there's no honestly. As long as there's that, a conversation, right? Of course. Precisely. That's just it, Jake. There's no wrong. We're having a conversation and we're sharing our experiences. I mean, we've all had a different one. I will never ever cease to say how damn lucky I am. There wow. it is. Yep. But I don't forget because there's a whole bunch of people that ain't here anymore. Well, and that's the thing. I, f I feel like we've come to this point where now it's it's all about our experience in this situation. The experience yes, my dear. Experience yes. of life. What do we contribute to? How can we listen to other people's experience and learn from it? And Not how can we share? Sorry, and darling. Validate and, and, va yeah. and, and make and validate. experience valid. You know, because yes. that's, I mean, I think everyone's a human being. We reach out. We really want to be validated as creatures. Yes. Existing, period. And how do we convey that message to speak? Because at this point, I think we speak so many languages where we all need to understand each other's language. And that's where we are. There's so much, there's so much information. So much, you know, I feel like there's also lots of love, even though there's maybe it's being missed because there's lots of crazy things going on too. 
because I looked up numbers of AIDS death in the United States through the years. And I really thought like, oh, it's going to be like the highest numbers would be like, I don't know, 85 or 87, which wouldn't affect me because I was so young. All right. The highest number in the United States was 1995. Of over deaths. 48,000 uh, 48, deaths in the United wow. States. Wow. In 19, the highest number, 1995. I was having so much sex in 1995. Yeah. So and was I, I thank I, God. <laughs> same. same like, I mean, like, but I, I think it could have been me. There, I think there was also that that moment of like, well, this is the norm. I can't live like this anymore. This And live in this fear. Uh, meaning, and, and I don't know. I'm not even going to, you know, well, I don't I, know. I also, I'm not even going to pretend to. Like, well, it, it also, it was no longer just about the gay community. Now, yes, yes. it was counted on everyone because women were also contracting sure, of HIV. Course. That's of a course. solid point, yeah. So yep. now, all of a sudden, wait a second, we're look, if you weren't, if you're only looking in one direction, how are you going to be counting in, in a direction you ain't seeing? So all of a sudden, like, wait a second, this is not just affecting one person, this is affecting humans. Of course, and 95 wasn't a gay disease. Anymore. No, it was no longer. Well, no, right. and I, I, I think that's, that's a very valid point. The reason Ronald Reagan didn't talk about that is because he thought little Ronnie Jr. was gay. So, you well, know. He only took ballet class, what are you talking about? Well, right, so, but the thing Turns is. Turns out it was a daughter, right? Uh, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so one time in George Bush, the first presidency, one time he mentioned the word gay and AIDS. One time, one. And it wasn't a gay disease, but he mentioned the words once. Ronald Reagan, never one time in eight years. Nope, not once. And uh, it's one of those things that it's like, we do have to stand up for ourselves. And then, of course, by the night, well, what we knew all along was, it wasn't a gay disease. It's not about who someone is. It's simply what happens to a disease. And more recently, monkeypox. Yes. Human monkeypox. Mm. To humanize it. It's God, not that a, I, ho I hope that we stomp that out. I mean, I certainly got <laughs> knots all over my arm for that shit. Hands. We said, what happened during the HIV crisis? We took it in our own hands and we acted. We yep. demanded yes, we did. and we demanded results and we said, we're not going to sit for this. And we got them. We took our power. This, this has been a really interesting and introspective and important. Dive, and important deep dive into HIV and AIDS. And we've only skimmed the surface. There's right. so much more about it. But it's really nice to get this kind of subject out because it's important to us and our community. So cheers yeah. to y'all. And beyond just HIV and AIDS, I feel like this is a very political conversation because it's not so firmly rooted in the past that we aren't clearly set in the present. Baby, y'all better get out there and vote or the old lady's going to come looking for your ass. <laughs> I, I ain't got no pride. I ain't got no shame in my business now. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Queer Magnolias is a weekly podcast hosted by Rick Clifton, Danny White, and George Skinner. You can find us everywhere you find your podcasts. So please take a few minutes to leave a rating or review. We definitely look forward to hearing from you. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe to receive the next episode automatically. Thank you for following us on Twitter at Queer Magnolias and on Instagram at Queer Magnolias Podcast. Or you can email us at queermagnoliaspodcast at gmail.com.